If you have a Bible and you'd like to open it to Colossians chapter 1, sorry, detour from John 12 just for maybe a week or two, I'm not sure, but Colossians chapter 1, I want to read uh, in chapter 1 from verses 9 through 12, Paul's going to tell the brothers and sisters of this ancient church that he's praying for his readers. For this reason, we also, since the day we heard it, um, of your faith in Christ, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, bearing, being, excuse me, being fruitful, in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might, according to his glorious power, for all patience and long suffering with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to partake of the inheritance of the saints in the light. So he's, he introduces the fact that he's praying for them. He tells us, Not only that he's praying, but what he is praying for, that you may be filled, is the New American Standard. I think that's uh, a good translation. He tells us the goal or desired outcome for which he is praying so that you will walk. Uh, To walk means to live, to have a distinct lifestyle, to have an overall way of life that is pleasing to God in all areas of life, what we think, what we feel, and what we do. And then in 10b through 14, I think it goes at least through 14. Actually, it goes a lot longer, but that's another story. He describes for us what a worthy lifestyle for a Christian looks like, a life that pleases God, a life that corresponds with what God requires of his children in order to um, express a, a worthy lifestyle. Now, worthy means corresponding to what's expected us of us. It doesn't mean like angelic uh, or unfallen or perfect, okay? And you can see those four characteristics of a life that pleases God if uh, in verses 10b and following just by looking at these ing words, okay? In the New American Standard, at 10b, it says, bearing fruit in every good work, A life that pleases God is one that is bearing fruit in every good work, increasing in the knowledge of God. And then third, I'll translate it, being strengthened with all power. If you have the NIV, which I doubt anybody does. But if you did, that's the way they translate it. Not very often do I mention the NIV or agree with it. But I think it is a good translation right there. I'll tell you why. Because that's the one we're going to look at. Being strengthened with all power power, and then giving thanks to the Father. So what does a life that pleases God look like? Four characteristics named by Paul. Bearing fruit in every good work, increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power, giving thanks to the Father. So we're going to look at that third one, um, being strengthened with all power. Now there's some translational issues. I already mentioned one. The ESV, if you have it, sorry. Some of my best friends have the ESV, and I always I tease them too, but I'm right about this. It translates, "May you be strengthened." 
which is great. They put it in the, in the mode of prayer, okay? May you be strengthened. Um, I don't like that uh, translation. They're actually following the 1952 Revised Standard Version, the version all the liberals use. That's where the ESV came from. Anyway, um, I think it's better being strengthened with all power. This reflects, for lack of other words, the original language better. These Notice they're I-N-G words. The other three are bearing fruit, increasing in the knowledge of God, giving thanks. The third one's also an I-N-G word. It's called a participle. So uh, being strengthened is one way to, to, to translate it, and I think that's the best way to do it. There's another issue here. Some of your versions might have, like if you have the New American Standard, it has with joy at the end of verse 11 connected to verse 12 because there's either a comma or a semicolon before it. Joyously giving thanks to the Father. Uh, that's the New American Standard. Personally, I think that's the better way of, of uh, connecting these two. Did you come for all this technical translational stuff? Get on with it. Okay, let's get on with it. So I'm not, not going to uh, preach the with joy or joyously uh, with verse 11, just so you know. So exposition. I want to do an exposition of this third characteristic uh, under four uh, headings. Number one, the action. Number two, the gift. Number three, the measure of the gift. And number four, the goal of the gift. So we have action, gift, measure, and goal. First of all, the action. Being strengthened is the way I prefer it to be translated. Sometimes when trying to describe an action, we, I do this at least, what it ain't and what it is, what it is not, what it is so, or something like that. So here's what it ain't. It's not an action produced by us. If you think about being strengthened, whatever it means, It's not a self-induced action. It's not a creature-produced thing. We're not called to strengthen ourselves here. This text teaches that being strengthened is something that happens to believers in Christ. It's something done in them. It's something done for them. It's not something done by them. This text does not mean we are authors of our own strengthening, right? If we're being strengthened, then an outside agent is causing the strengthening. This is not one of those bite the bullet, get tough, deal with it kind of verses. Hey, I'm not going to scold you. Be strengthened, you weakling. Look how pitiful your Christian life is. If you just flex it, you'd start, you'd start, you'd, You'd be a holy hovercraft on the earth. You'd be floating off the ground. Your halo would lighten up. You know, no. The first two characteristics of a life that pleases God do involve our efforts. Bearing fruit, obeying God's word. Increasing in the knowledge of God. Reading Sam Renahan's books or whatever. Or A.W. Pink on the attributes of God. But this characteristic of a life that pleases God is different. Being strengthened. Bearing fruit, I get that. Increasing my knowledge of God, I get that. Giving thanks to the Father, I get that. I can do stuff 
that toward that end. But I can't cause myself to be strengthened by an outside agent. Being strengthened involves believers as passive recipients from outside of themselves. This is one of the glorious things about Christianity. It's not just this horizontal religion that I happen to choose over all other religions. It's something that has come down. And since it has come down, things keep coming down for those who believe the gospel. The change agent, then, is not us. Let me see if I can illustrate it. It's kind of silly, you know, but illustrations can help. I didn't say I'm silly. The illustration's silly. Boxers. Think of a boxer with gloves on. He can deliver punches or he can receive punches, right? When he delivers a punch, he's, he's active. When he receives a punch, he's passive. This text is not about believers acting upon and within and for the benefit of themselves. So that's what it, what it ain't. The action is not. Here's what the action is, but I'll accentuate this word, being strengthened. Okay, So when we think about being strengthened, it's not an action we are committing or conducting. It, we are receiving the operation, the action, from outside of ourselves. And the form of this word demands, demands that we understand this is something that happens to us and in us, so I could kind of translate it differently for, with synonyms. Being strengthened, being empowered, being fortified, being invigorated, being endowed, being made stronger, something like that. And God is the one, you were waiting for this, right? Because everybody knows, well, this is a God thing. Yeah, but I'm preaching, so I was trying to get the momentum going and not mention God until this. And God is the one acting upon and within us. God is the change agent in the souls of his people. God is the uh, part of the equation that makes Christianity exclusive and way different. But second, that's the action. What about the gift? Uh, Various translations here. In all power or with all power. Being strengthened with all power. You think that means... God makes Christians omnipotent. He gives us divine power so that we can do divine things. Uh, If he does, he's not very great because look at us. This is something granted to us, something given to us, something we are endowed with from heaven, from God. Power, we could say strength, vigor, enablement, fortification. What about all power? What does it mean to be being strengthened with all power? It means the availability to overcome in any and every circumstance of life. We could say all needed power. All needed ability. When we need it, too. All needed strength. All needed empowerment. All needed fortification. All needed internal Uh, invigoration, you know. Now notice third, the measure of the gift. According to uh, the the might of his glory, is the New American Standard, 
according to the might of his glory. So a life that pleases God is a life that receives strength from God to live the Christian life. What is this measure? It's according to, so it's according to something. So it's, this is the standard of measure whereby God empowers his people. It's translated New American Standard, the might of his glory. He, Christians are strengthened and God is pleased to cause them to be strengthened. According to the might of his glory, whatever that means, it sounds good, right? It sounds glorious because he uses the word glory here. I think God's glory in this case is the outshining, the radiance of who he is, and it's seen by what he does. God's might uh, is another translation, uh, is the translation power, is another way of saying his omnipotence in action, the the soul-altering, effective power of God in action, terminating in the hearts of believers in Christ, and in this case, aimed at the invigoration uh, that the soul needs to get through something. We'll see what to get through in a minute here, because it's in the text. The measuring rod for the power God infuses into the souls of his children is God's own dazzling, inexhaustible might. In other words... The limit of the strengthening is set by the extent of God's might, meaning that there is no limit. He gives in full measure all we need and when we need it, and yet never exhausts his pool of might. We get all we need when we need it, and he doesn't deplete himself. So that means if all we need when we need it passes, and we need some more at another time, guess what? It's there for us. We say, well, why doesn't God just give us this super saint strength? You know what happens when you get a little overconfident in your abilities? You don't depend on the source as you ought. Plus, we ain't in glory yet, okay? So we're not going to over-eschatologize the Christian life. We're going to be realists about it. Life's hard. Sometimes life's messy. I even had a pastor told me this uh, recently. Sometimes the kingdom of God is like, uh, is, is quite messy. But here we have an inexhaustible pool of might on our side. Never gets depleted. If we were out in the desert taking a hike, it's 120 degrees, and we had a thing of jug of water, we start depleting that water. At some point, it's going to be gone. Our source of life is going to be gone, Then our lips are going to get dry, and if we don't get help, we're going to die. The water goes down, 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 and we get more concerned probably as it goes down and if we're lost out there we're going this doesn't look good I'm not a rocket scientist but there's no there there's a bottom to this jug this water jug it has limited resources within it it has what I need to get through this day and hopefully be found out by somebody but I'm going to exhaust it as a means to sustain my life Now, no no Christian can say, yeah, and I'm doing that with God. 
I mean, you can say it, and then you should, you should be like the psalmist. Shut up, self. Stop saying those things. There is no end. There is no bottom to the bucket of God's might. His resources are inexhaustible. The might of his glory is like him, eternal, infinite, and inexhaustible. He strengthens us without losing strength. That's pretty good news. Here's, man, here's a man named Edie. He's a, he's a brother. He's absent from the body. He's present with the Lord. He was a Scottish Presbyterian commentator on Paul's epistles. Listen to him. He says, if we sur- survey the glory of God in creation, okay, so the glory of God creation, that would be the outshining of the radiance of who he is, seen by what he does. That's what I said I think it means here. If we survey the glory of God in creation, the immensity of its architectural power overwhelms us. The heavens are telling of the glory of God. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He spoke, and it was done. Or in providence, its exhaustless and versatile energy perplexes us. Whatever the Lord pleases, he does in heaven and in earth. Or in redemption, its moral achievements delight and amaze us. God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. If the spiritual strength given to believers be after the measure of the might of this glory, with what courage and ability shall they be armed? Will they not resist evil, overcome temptation, banish fear, surmount difficulties, embrace opportunities of well-being, and prove that they are able to rise above everything before which unaided humanity sinks and succumbs. See what he says? If we contemplate the glory of God, the manifestation of his dazzling brilliance in his works, in its, his effects, in, his, in creation itself, in ruling the creation, providence, and then especially in grace, if we contemplate that and we go, that's how powerful he is? And he's also made promises to empower me when I need it and how much I need as well? If that other big stuff doesn't exhaust his resources, then this little pipsqueak isn't going to put a dent in his resources, right? And the answer is, um, depending on who you are, hallelujah! (laughs) So what is the goal of this gift? Notice these words, being strengthened with all power, that's the gift. Well, the action is being strengthened. The gift is all power. The measure of it, according to the might of his glory, for, here's the goal, for all uh, endurance, all steadfastness, uh, and patience. Okay, so two things, endurance slash steadfastness and patience. So we could put it this way, God is pleased when his children are empowered by him to live for him under any and all circumstances. Endurance, steadfastness, what does that mean? Literally means to abide or remain under difficult circumstances. To possess a calm tenacity of soul amidst trials. To persevere or to not lose heart. Here's James 5.11. Behold, we consider those blessed who remained steadfast. 
we consider those endowed with some sort of gift who remained steadfast. What was the gift? The gift of steadfastness. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job. Standing on truth, walking through trials, and actually making through, through them without you know, blaspheming God or leaving the faith. Patience, uh, long-suffering, or put up with wrongs done to you by others, not to retaliate, but to restrain yourself while under pressure to possess or to possess your soul. So we can put it this way. God strengthens his people with all necessary power in accordance with his might, which shows forth his glory for this reason that we might live for him under any and all circumstances and thus glorify him. That's pretty good news, I think. It should make us kind of happy. Because if you know your Bible well enough, becoming a Christian doesn't, doesn't alleviate you from trials and difficulties. Okay, Becoming a Christian means your sins are forgiven and... Glory's yours because Christ attained it for you. And you're considered righteous by virtue of the righteousness of Christ. And you have some promises to get you through this life, but it doesn't alleviate you from this life and the difficulties that often come with it. How about Moses? Remember Moses? He thought he could not speak for God, that he wasn't eloquent enough. God said to him, who made man's mouth? I will be with your mouth. I, I'm not up to this. You know, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not up to this. And God says, what are you talking about? I'm, I'm going to send you to do this. Um, David, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me. How about Paul in 2 uh, Timothy 4, 16 and 17? At my first defense, no one supported me. You ever thought of that? This is the apostle, whatever he's referring to. Nobody that was there supported you, and it sounds like you'll see it. He thinks they should have, and they were actually wrong for not supporting him. At my first defense, no one supported me, but all deserted me. Now watch this one. This is patience. May it not be counted against them. And here's the most important thing. The Lord stood with me and strengthened me. Okay, there are a lot of other texts I could support that kind of teaching that God has promised in the midst of whatever situations in our lives we're going through to endow his people with the grace, with the power, with the wisdom necessary to compose themselves, to walk through the trial, the difficulty, whatever, and to actually come out the other side and here's what usually, if you're healthy, here's what you do when you come out the other side. And people go, wow, you just composed yourself so well under that difficult." You go, zip it. There's no way I made it through without help. Right? Now, I said I was going to preach short, right? I could cut it off. Or I could have one contemplation. How about one contemplation? This text commends Christ to everyone. Dear believer, I commend 
Jesus, the friend of sinners, to you. Remember what he said? Lo, I am with you always. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Once you come to him for forgiveness, you can't shake him. You don't like, I got to shake Jesus off, get him out of my life. No, you're not your own. You've been bought with a price. And by your grace, he's going to sustain you to glorify God in your body and your spirit. Lo, I am with you always. I will never leave you nor forsake you. you. It is possible to weather the storms of life in such a way as to please the Lord. Many in this room will tell you that though they are in themselves weak and very often pitifully weak, I'll be the first one to say that about me, the Lord is mighty to save and the Lord Jesus upholds his people by his spirit as he was upheld by the Spirit of God to endure sufferings for us and to enter into his glory. And all those who are Christ's find uh, first endure sufferings for his name's sake, just like the Master, then one day will enter into his glory, as Paul tells us, all cleaned up in body. And soul. See, Christianity, true Christianity, believing that Christ is the incarnate Son of God who became man for us and for our salvation, who suffered and then entered his glory, who worked and then rested and then was rewarded for it, and now this side of his ascension into heaven, his current session involves depositing all the benefits that he procured, that he worked for. Uh, uh, for sinners. Now he's, he's doing that all over the world. True Christianity is, is, and I've said this before, it's not the horizontal thing where we bite the bullet, we got bootstraps, lean over, don't pull a muscle in your back while you're leaning over to pull the bootstraps off. Uh, you got a belt, tighten it up, let's go. Sanctification by grit. That's not Christianity. Okay? That's works religion. That's, that's horizontal stuff only. Bearing fruit in every good work can't do it without God's help. Increasing the knowledge of God can't do it without God's help. Being strengthened can't do it, period. It can be done to you, but you can't do it. Giving thanks can do it, but not without God's help. So this text commends Christ to everybody, to all the ones who are already connected to Christ by, by faith, and to anybody who's not connected to Christ by faith. You get Christ, and you get these things. You want to bear fruit, even against the grain of your own heart sometimes. You want to increase in the knowledge of God. You want to become heavenly-minded, so you're of more earthly value. You know that glib statement. He's too heavenly-minded to be of any earthly value. It probably means that the guy's just proud. Now, that's wrong, okay? But the, the more you increase in the knowledge of God, the more you'll bear fruit in every good work. 
I didn't even know that was one of the good works I should bear fruit in. I increased in the knowledge of God. I understood the word of God better, who God is and what he requires of me. And I was able to slowly but surely grow in increasingly, increasing, uh, you know what I mean. If you don't, sorry. So, and to, you come to Christ by faith. You, you, you want to bear fruit in every good work. You want to increase in the knowledge of God. And you're very, the very fact that you came to Christ in the first place, you recognize, I need to be strengthened. I need power from outside of me to do something in me and for me and to me, or else I'm in huge trouble. And then, when you truly come to Christ, you want to bear fruit, you want to increase in his knowledge, you desperately want that power that's talking about here. And yeah, you want to joyously give thanks to the Father who qualified us to share in the... We didn't self-qualify. Christianity isn't... If you qualify yourself, you might make it in. You know, like the... Well, you'll get to the race. Whether or not you finish, finish, you have to finish and finish well on your own, and then we we can talk about it. that's That's not... You know, if you go through the text there, that's not how it is. We were qualified to be saints in the light by God, not us. We were rescued. We don't rescue. Christianity isn't a self-help, self-help rescue mission. It's a God helping the helpless and effectively rescuing them, forgiving them of all their sins and giving them his promises and power. Well, that's the, the abbreviated sermon I said I would deliver I delivered it because I want everyone to be encouraged and to go to Jesus, even if you've already gone to him. Go to him again. He's the friend of sinners. He's the Savior, captain of our salvation. And uh, may he bless. Let's pray. We thank you, Father, for your word. We pray that you would bless it to the well-being of our souls, that the saved would be greatly admonished and encouraged and thankful that you would indeed um, strengthen us, cause us to be strengthened by your grace, that that the lost would realize that the Lord Jesus calls them to himself for full and free forgiveness and for grace and for power to live. We ask that you would forgive us of all of our sins, help us to be better saints in light of what we've heard, and to show forth our gratefulness and our thankfulness in the singing your praises now. We ask in Jesus' name, amen.